afternoon. My name is Ray Montgomery, and I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And today I have with me Mr. Ron Brown and Mr. Gene Brown. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing fine. How are you? All right. I'm doing good. I just wanted to uh, bring you guys on the podcast because I know you you two are very uh, involved uh, with advocacy within the blind community. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you guys started with um, advocacy and uh, the things that you guys are doing within the community now. And uh, Ron, I want to start off with you, Ron. And um, I know you do a lot with the uh, National Federation of the Blind, and mm-hmm. I know you are the current president. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, yeah. Right. How long have you been? Uh, actually, how long have you been the president of the NFB right now? Um, well, I've been the state president of the National Federation of the Blind of Indiana for twenty-two years. Mm-hmm. And I have been the second vice president of the National Federation of the Blind since 2008. I've been on the National Board of Directors since 2000, so I've been involved. But how long overall I've been in the Federation? Over 40 years. Over 40. So if you don't mind me, what caused your vision loss? I lost my vision in a gunshot accident. I was living in Gary, Indiana, and I was coming home from a basketball game, and I got shot in the face and blinded. I went from 20-20 vision to nothing. I'm totally blind right now. And you said that was about 40 years ago? Yeah, at least. Uh, okay. I was a senior in high school when I was when I lost my vision. And I thought life was over as I knew it because I didn't know anything about blindness. No one in my family had ever been disabled. And I felt like uh, the only thing I knew about blindness was... Uh, cartoon character yeah. on TV by the name of Mr. Magoo and he <laughs> yeah. was a bungling blind idiot right. and then I knew that uh, I saw blind people selling pencils and 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 shaking cups on a corner and I knew oh my god my life is over as I know it so how did that kind of affect you at that age and you lost your sight well it affected me um, well in, in a negative way only for a little while and I say that Ray because I tell everybody, I lost my vision at 17. I found a federation at 18. And how fortunate for me, because the National Federation of the Blind is an advocacy organization, and they had a positive outlook on blindness and blind people. So that, when I met our president, who was once our national president, when I met our current state president back then, his name was Dr. Mark Maurer, he changed my life. Him and his wife came to Ball State uh, campus and asked, uh, did we want to join a student division? And I was thinking about these blind people and how the message that they were putting out. And it was a radical message back then at that time. It was a message saying that blind people could do whatever they wanted to do, be whoever they wanted to be, and still, you know, be productive citizens and that it was respectable to be blind. Now, back then, that was a novel concept. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Back then, it was little, things were way different. Back, back in those days, I would say. I mean, trying yeah. to find those resources. So, how did you? I mean, get those skills that you needed to be successful. As far as like the cane travel and learning braille, and what yeah. did you? After I lost my vision, Ray, what happened was I, I I wanted to graduate. So the superintendent of the school said, "Well, if you take all the rest of your classes that you were already taken as a senior in high school." And then they had a resource room for blind uh, people to attend. And that's where you learn Braille, touch typing, um, 
a little bit of cane travel, not much because I basically had to learn on my own my senior year. I didn't learn the full alternative skills of blindness training. I didn't get that until after I graduated from high school. And then I went to Elkhart, Indiana and had my formalized training there. Okay. Yeah. Gene, how about you? I know um, you're blind as well. How did you uh, lose your sight? Um, I lost my sight actually as an adult. I was um, in my early 20s and was um, went to the doctor and found out that I had an eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. RP. And, yes, RP. And uh, that uh, was the beginning of <laughs> the beginning of the beginning because that's where I, that's where I had to start. Um, I had um, I had one child and um, was was pregnant with my youngest daughter. And when I found out, and by the time she was born, although I was told that I would be about 70 before I completely lost my sight. Um, by the time she was born, I was not able to see her. Now, far as with um, being blind and raising children, I know sometimes we go through issues or we've seen a lot of issues where the state will try to take your child because you cannot, you know, they feel that you cannot raise your child successfully being blind. And we all know that's very, uh, we know that's not true at all. So how, how do you guys feel about that, and um, how do you get a person to advocate for themselves if they ever were to get in that situation? Well, personally, I, I think, because I was asked by um, the staff at the hospital, who is going to be there to take care of your daughter? And I said, I am her mother. I will do that. Um, and I said it without any hesitation or I did not sound like I had any doubt. And, uh, and so they very quickly left that topic alone. Um, I was not going to let anyone take my child. So that was, that was not an option. Um, so I just, um, I, I think that Parents have to, if, if you really feel that you're going to have difficulties once you get your child home, then get the training that you need so that you can take care of your child. And, uh, and then just be, um, be very stern and say, no, no one's going to take my child. She will be leaving with me. Correct. Now, one of the things that also can happen, even though you may be stern and you may be, you know, forthright in your thinking, but mm-hmm. you still have to under you have, still have to let the professionals know, the yes. social workers that blind people have been raising children for many, many years, and yes. we have in our organization a parents of blind children meeting or a parent uh, division, division which has precedent-setting cases to show that blind people have been, they have wanted to take children away and then we take them to court and we advocate for them on their behalf and letting people know that uh, a blind person is capable and competent enough to raise a child. There's alternative ways of doing everything. You just got to figure it out. 
that's, that's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. Got to figure it true. out. And I know that in dealing with um, the state or anything like that, you definitely have the ADA um, backing on a lot of things like that's that. True. So you're able to get information in an accessible format if needed, you know, classroom materials and things like that. So definitely, definitely. And having a support system around you helps a lot. When you know somebody that knows somebody that is blind, that has raised children, and you talk to them and try and say, hey, how did you do it? For example, they say, well, you can't keep up with a child because if he's a toddler, you know, they're running around getting into everything. Now, when they're little, you can put the bells on their shoes, correct? And they run around and their little bells, you can always hear where they're at. But when they're a toddler, children tend to want to take their shoes off all the time. So the bells don't help when when they're on their shoes and and they don't have them on. So they sneaking around doing whatever. So one of the things that uh, parents have told me is that they take a safety pin, put the bell on the sh- on the safety pin, pin it to the middle of their back, and they can't take it off because they can't reach, reach around it. there and take the bell off. So they steadily run around here dingling, and it's still the same effect. It's alternative ways yes. of getting the same thing done. That's it. That's it. I mean, because yeah. you know, like everybody doesn't drive. Even if you have two good eyes, you don't drive. So that's right. That's right. You got to get some. You got to get there somewhere. Bus, taxi, mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever you got to do to get there. We're gonna get there. Exactly. At the end of the day. So, so Ron, you do uh, do a lot of orientation and mobility training as well, correct? Mm-hmm. And you have your own business. Yes, I started a business in. Uh, 1999, I uh, graduated with a master's degree in education psychology and I'm nationally certified so I can teach orientation mobility all around the country. And, I'm, and I've been teaching cane travel for 18 years uh, now this year. So what made you want to get into uh, that profession? Well, one of the things that I found out about that profession was that, well, first of all, let me rewind the tape. I, I'm, a, I'm a business owner. Uh, again, I own a uh, snack sh- uh, bar in the city county building called RB Vending. And um, so I own a uh, canteen store down there with lots of vending machines throughout the building. So I have been in that business over 20 years when I was reading an article and they were looking for blind orientation mobility instructors to come to Ruston, Louisiana to take this training. And they say, well, you have to have a bachelor's degree already. And I had that from Ball State University. So I kept reading and then told me that um, what they wanted to do, well, they were looking for minorities and they were looking for blind people to get into this field of orientation mobility. Now, we know as blind people, we've been teaching each other for many, many years. We just never got paid for it. Yeah. And so a lot of times if you see two blind people walking, one person saying, well, you know, I got this on the left side, the other one got it on the right, and you basically just call it paired walking. You're just walking and giving each other instruction. But like I said, we never got paid for it. So we came to um, a... understanding with the university in the city of uh, Ruston, uh, in the state of Ruston, Louisiana, and the university, Louisiana Tech University, to set up a master degree program where blind people would teach orientation and mobility. And and what they teach it under is a method called structured discovery learning, and that's a whole other subject. (laughs) But that's how I'm able to teach basically all around the country. I don't have to see 
where you are or what city you're in. For example, when I went to teach in New York, what I tell people all the time is the same techniques I use in Indiana, I use in New York. Your mm-hmm. environment may change, but your basic cane techniques should never change. That's true. That's you true. do what you do in New York, you do in Indiana and D.C. and so on. So you travel all over the country. All over the country, training and teaching. And most of my students is uh, here in Indiana. And what how I got into the, uh, the orientation mobility business, I graduated with a degree. I came back home and I was already in business. But then I thought, I don't want to give up my other business. So I set myself up in another business. And so that's basically what I did. And now I own an operation called Cane and Abel. Very entrepreneurial spirit right there. I like it. Um, you didn't wait on anybody else to give you that opportunity. When I got that opportunity, oh, which yeah. is a great thing because sometimes as people who are born, we don't, you know, sometimes we just sit back and wait yeah. on opportunities. But, you know, it's a lot of opportunities out there that we have to create for ourselves. That's right. And uh, I'll say you did that successfully. So how do you operate a vending, uh, <laughs> vending stand or a vending machine business? <laughs> the... Um Randolph Shepard program is a program set up through the federal government, and what they do is give blind people an opportunity to own their own business. Again, you have to take training for it, and you you uh, once you finish the training, you bid on these different locations. You put into a bid process where you bid on the locations, and if you get that location, you can keep the um, location for you know, forever, all your life, you name your own business, you pay your own taxes, you hire your own employees, mm-hmm. and they they buy your initial inventory, and then you're on your own. And so that's how I got in initially. I, I heard about the Business Enterprise Program, and I wanted to investigate it back in 1983. And so I did, and it looked promising, and it was a, it was a good job, and it was a, a way to own my own business, yeah. and so I did it. That's a very lucrative business. Very yeah. Good. Uh, mine is now. I've been in the business 35 oh, years, yeah. so I'm at the top of the food chain. <laughs> I mean, you you know, go. most people, there's a seniority process yes, you have yes, to be yes. So I've got a lot of seniority, and so that's why, you know, I can pretty much pick and choose uh, here in the state of Indiana. Now, if I went to a different state, I'd probably have to start all over yeah. again. So how, how do you keep track of all your foods and different items that you have stored within a vending machine? I What I do is, okay, first I hire uh, employees. I have okay. an assistant manager, and then I have two employees that work the cash register. But I also have uh, a register that speaks out loud. Okay. So it's, if, if, if I need to get on the register, I can literally. Uh, make the transactions, swipe the uh, person's cards. It'll tell me what it what I'm putting in, and and as as I type on the register, it'll tell me what you know the amount is in the whole night. The second thing I do is I, I I write Braille, and Braille is really been helpful because I keep track of my daily sales in Braille. <clears throat> that yeah. way, I can put my hands on it right. any given month and go back and see what I made every day that month, or if I made money or lost money. The third thing is I have a talking program on my computer, and I use this program called the I Square. Okay. And I Square uh, gives me my daily sales. What's the best thing that I've sold all month? And so, for example, 
uh, I Square told me um, la- uh, for year to date since I've been in the city county building that I have sold 22,000 hot dogs in Poland. <laughs> and it lets me know that. You know, and it'll break it down on a weekly basis, daily basis. So, you know, then I have money identifiers. I have a coin thing that I pour money into and it separates the coins for me. And then I roll them. I have a talking money uh, bill counter, so it talks. And so everything is accessible for me to run that business if I didn't have sighted help. Yeah. How has how technology um, played a role in your success, or has it helped you run that business? Technology has played a major role in that because, and, and, and granted, technology has been a godsend to blind and visually impaired people because it's helped put us in the forefront of getting jobs and, and being able to do, read print and paper and and books and things. I mean, I have apps on my phone that'll read uh, printed material out loud to me, those kind of things. So it's, it's played a major role. But what I also will say is Braille has played a major role too. And some people will say, well, Braille is antiquated, it's too slow and all that. But 90%, we did a study in our organization, 90% of all successful people read Braille. And the reason being is because you can literally put your hands on a a figure and you can read it and it shows you right up under your fingertips exactly what you've done and made. And that knowledge is is better than rote memory because you're listening to figures all day long via speech. You're actually reading it with your hands and you retain that knowledge a lot longer. You actually get a chance to see what that word actually looks like. Yeah, you get to feel it. And That's right. Yeah, it gets written. And then you're able to be more literate at that time. Absolutely, right? so definitely yeah. a great tool right there to have. It is. Uh, I know, Jean. I've heard that you've had your own business as well. Yes. You? And yes. What kind of business did you uh, operate? Um, I I owned uh, a salon and day spa, and. Uh, I had that business for 10 years and um, hired uh, stylists, massage therapists, uh, nail techs, um, you name it, I think we had it in there. Um, But uh, I even hired uh, a girl who, um, who is blind to be a braid stylist um, in the shop and and that was something different. And a lot of the customers who came in were just amazed at the work that she did. Man, y'all, y'all really putting a lot on, on, on uh, out here today. Y'all giving me a lot of uh, a lot of good information. And y'all letting us know that uh, people who are blind can be entrepreneurs. I mean, y'all really just really putting that out there and putting it in the air. And I, I think that's really great for a lot of definitely uh, people who are newly blinded or you know born. You know, born blind. So I think that's really great for them to know those capabilities of being an entrepreneur are still available. Yeah. And, uh, it is still available to Ray. And you know, the thing that I tell people who have lost their vision and they, and they may have worked a different kind of job and they figure, okay, I'm blind now. I can't continue this job. So they quit. I tell people, don't quit. If, if I can get to them fast enough, yeah. don't quit your job. Go on a leave of absence or whatever because 
again, there's alternative ways of doing everything. Yeah. So all you have to do is get your blindness skills training first. Mm-hmm. How to navigate this world as a blind person. How to use uh, computers that you can no longer look at the screen to see, but it gives you speech output. How to use those things. How to read Braille. How to do daily living skills and keep your homes and stuff. Right. A lot of people want to put their parents and, and friends in nursing homes thinking, well, they're blind now. They, they can't contribute to society anymore, you know. Yeah. But we have to show them that we have capacity and we have the ability to still do our jobs. And 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 once you quit your job, then you, it's hard to get back to that. Right. But but if you if you get your training and then you say, okay, I still want to go back and be an accountant. There's no reason in the world why a blind person can't be an accountant or any other job that they may have worked. You know, and so that's why we try to get to them early and tell them, look, you still have capacity. You know, you have, okay, if you were a doctor prior to losing your vision and then you lost your vision, does that mean you stop knowing how to be a doctor? No, that no. knowledge is still there. You don't lose the capacity to be a doctor. You lose the ability to see. Right. And so... So what you do is then figure out, okay, how did I, do, how can I do this job the same way I did it? Only now I can't see, and there's where problem solving come in. That's how. That's what I teach in cane travel. It's called uh, structured discovery learning. You experience the world by getting out there doing it. You problem. You use problem solving ability uh, uh, by doing that. You use the use of non-visual cues uh, like the sun, the wind, and all of that to, to figure out how to navigate the world. And then role modeling. If I can do it, you can do it. So with those four different training modules, you can pretty much do any job you have all, always done. You just figure it out. I don't know if I call it uh, structural, what you call it? Structured discovery learning. Structural discovery learning. I didn't know if I called it that when I was in college getting lost. It was just yeah. really me getting lost. It's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. I got lost, but you know what? But you figured it I out. I figured it out, and that's then it gave the me an alternate route yeah. to take to the class. That's I mean, the part of problem solving. That's the yeah. part of it right there. Uh, you know, get yeah. cold out there. You're running. You're like, oh, we got to get in there. <laughs> but, you know, once yeah. you get lost, and I'm like, okay, now I'm lost. I got this garbage can right here. So when I hit that, I'm going to go to the right, and yeah. I'm going to keep moving. But, that's yeah, when you get lost, it's definitely actually just gave you another route to take. Uh, to get where you need to go. I tell Gene, I'm never lost. I'm just displaced. <laughs> That's what I tell you. I'm not lost. I'm never lost. I, don't know, I just get displaced and I can yeah. figure it out how to get where I need to get exactly. to. Exactly. And she does the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So what do you guys like to do for fun when you're not, you know, working? And what do you guys do outside of work? <laughs> well, um, we're both involved in the um, IBLB, uh, the Indianapolis Blind Bowling League. Oh, um, did you go to Vegas? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, we did. We had lots of fun. Didn't win any money, but we had lots of fun. <laughs> um, we, uh, we, you know, we bowl at, during the fall, and uh, and then when the weather starts to warm up, then we we start the um, beat baseball, mm-hmm. and uh, Ron is now coaching. Um, but uh, I'm on the team, and so I get the chance now to pick up where he left off at let doing me, let the running and playing. And <laughs> let me start right there. For those who just may be uh, tuning into the podcast, what is beat ball, beat baseball? 
Van, you want to describe it? Because you could probably do that better than well, I. It's a, it's a form of um, baseball, uh, unlike uh, regular baseball, uh, where the pitcher pitches against you. Our pitcher pitches so that he's trying to make you hit the ball. And right. So he's on your team, basically. And he's trying to put the ball where you swing uh, the bat. So literally, everybody's out there that's on the that's playing is is under blindfold. So it doesn't matter if you have any vision or or not, or no vision. You still have to wear the blindfold. And so the pitcher has a cadence, and you're actually uh, swinging the bat according to his cadence. So he'll say something like. Okay, here we go. Ready, pitch. And you know when he's saying pitch, he's releasing the ball from his hand. And then you're so it's all about timing. And you swing your 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 bat based on the timing that you think that ball is coming across the plate. And a lot of people say, well, <clears throat> why don't you just listen to the ball coming across? Some people do that, but we practice with a dead ball, with a ball that doesn't even be because we want to get a person used to swinging. Uh, based on their timing of the ball coming across the plate. And so once the ball is hit, a person runs to a base. A base has a tone to it as well, first and third base. It's a modified version of regular baseball. So when you hit the ball and run to first base, and that base is turned on by a base operator, and he has a little toggle switch, he, you don't know which base he's going to turn on. He's turning on first or third. And so you crack the ball, and you you hurt you hear first base buzzing and you're running toward the sound. If you get to that base before the fielder in the field picks up the ball, you don't have to throw it by the way. You just <laughs> pick it up and hold it up and say, ball or something like that. Uh -huh. And you're out. Okay. If you touch that base or tackle that base or run into it any way you can, sure. and before they pick it up in the field, then you score a run. Ooh. And so that's how it works. <laughs> Right, that's, that's great, great information. Like, like I said, people who are blind do all type of things. Bowling, baseball, oh, go ball. Yeah. yeah, they got blind golf now. Golf. And we now all. have a women's, uh, an all-women's team that we're um, building. Um, but it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so if you know any blind women, yeah. you to plug that. Yeah. They want to yeah. play beat ball? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Blind women, yeah. It's a, it's an all-women's um, team. Okay. And so we're we're going to play, um, we'll play our game uh, at the World Series one night. Um, I think it's on Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all over the country. We, we just get together and play that, that one night. Well, that's great information. I definitely want to actually thank both of you guys for coming on the podcast. And thank you, Ron, for all the work you've been doing through the state of Indiana with the NFB. I know you're retiring this year. Absolutely. So with the state of Indiana, so you're no longer be the president, but I know you'll be heavily involved with you know, oh, just yeah. things going on within the community around here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So I just want to thank you guys. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Navigating Blindness podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out next week. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.